0: yeah hello everybody welcome to the 10th episode of the one mate one dude podcast i'm bill the dude from the u.s
1: and i'm joe the mate from the uk
0: and today uh we've had a very special guest on today um by the name of johnson Um, what did you think about today's uh, episode today joe uh
1: honestly really good one um what i mean really good is it was Deep and raw and insightful. Uh, Johnson is is my brother. He's he's had some time to to come on today, and he's he's a race mechanic for race cars in the motorsport industry. He's had the experience in Formula One, uh, IMSA in America, IndyCar. So you know, if your aspirations are, are to work in this sector, uh, definitely stick around because you know there's, there's some very juicy tips. Um, that would definitely be very useful Uh, not just in motorsports but a lot of universal I guess life experiences would you say Bill that could be applied to uh, pretty much anything
0: absolutely even if you're just interested in um, I guess how people end up where they want to be from um, university um, and beyond I think this is a very valuable episode Um, it is long yes it's probably our, our longest episode yet But that's just because it's, as Joe mentioned, juicy and full of useful information. So make sure to check it out and yeah, see you guys in the episode.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Johnson is, is my brother, my actual brother. Um, he's a little bit older than me, far more experienced. Yeah, older, um, better looking. Some say, yeah, some say he's better looking, uh, but all we know is he's Johnson. Um, You're lucky. He's, this is a podcast. He's in a very... People can't see my face. Oh right, right, right. Whatever. He's he's very <laughs> humble as well. Um, but you know his his line of work is very interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people do do have a lot of interest in the world of motorsports. Um, so today we're we're just gonna go through his journey really. And hopefully, uh, you can take some, some nuggets of, or gems of motorsport advice. Um, so Johnson, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, so it's
2: nice to get invited finally. Finally.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. That's good. Thanks for coming on J- Johnson. Well, are, where are you currently located Johnson?
2: I'm currently in Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, yeah, so moved here a year and a half ago, actually last year, April, April 2020, moved here, right in the pandemic, Um, I think think a lot of people are going through the same thing, I was with a race team out in Miami and unfortunately they had to let me go because of the, uh, the pandemic, but kind of it was a bit of a blessing in disguise because it kind of worked out great worked out with another team based in Vegas so now I'm here so um, Mm. but yeah no things things are good here Um, Vegas is a is a is a pretty good place to live to be honest it's hot but there's a lot lot to offer here and it's not as crazy as people think
1: casinos
2: yeah like for people that have for people that haven't been to Vegas or have been to Vegas, they probably just think that the strip is just the only thing here in Vegas. But outside of the strip, there's actually a very peaceful community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's you nice. Know, that's it. that's weird to hear, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Vegas, not everything's before. drunk
1: and wild as it seems.
0: Uh, Some yeah. people are
1: sober, believe it or not.
0: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah I'm insane, not. saying though. <laughs>
2: Yeah. No, I mean living in Vegas is 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 especially for me and Joe. We we, we both grew up in a small village in in England. Mm-hmm. To 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 say that we I live in Vegas is is pretty crazy. You know, a lot of people back in England they, they can't really get their head around it. They think Vegas is a holiday destination, but for me it's home. So right. it's it's interesting. But like I said the other day, it's, as much as it is quiet in Vegas. It is a fine line between staying home and relaxing and going out and not coming in till like four or five in the morning. Right. If you really wanted to.
0: Right. Well, that's, that's pretty insane because like I think even yeah. Americans would would see Vegas or Miami as like those those uh, those holiday spots, but you're out you're out here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kind of nice to experience both sides: the East Coast in Miami, and then yeah. done the West Coast in Vegas. So, two major cities. That I've lived in for a year and a bit so mm. it's um it's been a crazy two two and a half years actually So
0: no for, for sure so it's, it sure sounds like it oh sorry Joe what was that
1: yeah I was just gonna cut straight to it and say you know what's in Vegas for you at the moment what are you in the racing league at the moment um tell us a quick I guess background of what brings you in Vegas um
2: I mean we could st- uh, start from the beginning, so then people can can know from the where it's led me here. So I'm, I'm still in racing. So yeah. there's a, I'm, I'm
1: I'm with a race team right now. Um, race team unveil more details at the end. Keep it as a mystery. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, no. It's okay. um.
2: Now the racing. I'm I'm with um a team right now called um, Scuderia Corsa, the Ferrari team, who races in GT does does Ferrari challenge as well. Um it's quite a, quite a nice. It's very different from what I'm used to. Usually I'm I'm working in um open wheel format cars. So formula formula cars, mm. formula 2, formula 3, single seaters, um, yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah. Mm. Single seaters. And last time I was working on a open wheel car was an IndyCar in America, which is one of the reasons why why I moved here. Um, mm. to to do IndyCar, so, um, but moving into GT cars, which is basically road cars, is is very um, different.
1: There's a lot more stuff to mm. it. Mm. And you say road cars, but they're still you know, you know, quite high performance sports cars, still, right? Yeah, they're still high so performance, performance sports cars. Yeah,
0: right. And Johnson, how would you compare those to like NASCAR? Because like I know NASCAR is typically like the the mainstream in, 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 um, in the US like how would you say that America. compares to like America yeah to those um like to like the the mainstream like NASCAR cars are, are they faster or, or like like what are they-
2: uh, to be honest I don't actually know that much about NASCAR but I know NASCAR is a very it's a very independent championship a lot of people I see you know follow them as a brand. Just like F1, I guess, but NASCAR cars are very different in the sense where they're quite old school. Technology in them is slightly older. Mhm. They're um. Yeah. They're in one direction. I don't, yeah. They're, but they are they are improving a lot from what I've read and seen. That you know they're they're kind of like a a, a very basic car, mm-hmm. but. Still has some good tech in it, but their racing is, is very unique. You know, they 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 do a lot of oval it's racing, visual. but then they do road car racing too. And Americans, yeah, they love it, like especially out in, the, in in the Midwest and stuff. They they prefer that kind of. I I, I still need what would like to go see an NASCAR race. Yeah, um,
0: I've, I've never been, but it's it's huge in in like traditional American areas. Um, it is, yeah.
2: No, it's a very big following for sure. Not so much in Europe, definitely an American thing, but um, it's one area that I, I'm actually very unexperienced or, or don't really know much about. To be honest, oh,
0: I, I honestly don't like. This is a completely new <laughs> space for me. So even I'm just, myself, yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to feel out. I guess what are the differences? But with with your um, in, in your field, Johnson, um, I guess how did you how did you get into this 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 field? Like what what sort of led you to um vegas because you mentioned like the past two years um you went from miami to vegas which is and started in the uk which is which is you know a massive jump to to go from from a place in europe to um yeah i mean uh
2: yeah i mean ever ever since so for people that don't know i'm a i'm a a mechanic so Mm. uh race mechanics or, or just general mechanic really for specifically race teams but that was one job that i've always wanted to do as a kid so it was a it was a goal of mine since i was a uh since i was a kid basically always wanted to work into cars and or be around race cars i was never so much interested in general maintenance for like, automotive cars it was the racing aspect that really you know, um, attracted me to, to do it. Um, but I, I just never knew how. I never knew how to do it. Growing up as a kid, um, my parents wouldn't know, really, not, I mean, to be the f- fair, not just my parents, but not many people know how the industry works or how to get into it. Especially for, for my parents who, who were in the takeaway restaurant business. they, they couldn't guide me. So I only had school to help me or like maybe people that I'd know, networking, but trying to get into it as a kid. Um, it was difficult because I never really got into it until after university. Um, I never had much exposure or um, experience in cars until I actually left university, which is when I was 22. Um, the only exposure I had leading up to it was Going to Goodwood Festival of Speed, which is one of mine and Joe's favourite events. Um, mm.
3: That's basically an annual event that hosts a um, motorsport—you
2: st- know, like a big motorsport event with a lot of automotive uh, companies there. It's a big show. There's the, everyone's there. All the F1 teams are there. Motor GP teams are there. All the lower Formula teams there celebrities it's a big it's a big garden party basically um yeah i'm sure there's feeders, is... car people on here that listen to it. it's, it's festival speed is a very big renowned uh event you can you can go there and just see and be near the cars so we went there every year and to this day i still buy junior tickets if i could i don't know check because so i don't give a shit <laughs> but the the um half the price. event is amazing yeah, it's half the price too. I'm saving money. I go every year, but no, it's a great event. It's actually on this weekend. Joe went on Thursday. Um, he'll be going back tomorrow. Um, you know, as a young kid, you, when you see all these cars, like, and when I say everything is there, I mean everything. Like, all the F1 teams are there. You know, so growing up, you classic cars. I used to watch yeah. F1 as a yeah. You used to watch. Watch TV, and you used to see all these cars on TV, and you think that's that's really cool. But then when you go to Goodwood Festival of Speed, you see see more of it. You don't just see the cars and the drivers; you see the crew, you see the people that work behind it. And you're in in my head. I was like, how how do I become one of these people? How do I how do I work in it? What do I need to do? You know, we we would approach people that work in the industry and just ask them, be like, what what can what can we do? Like, how can I do it? Um but as much information as they gave me, I never really pursued it when I was at university. Kind of just, just bounced along until I graduated really. So, um, mm-hmm. cause I studied product design at university, which had nothing to do with.
0: Wow. Right. You know, I guess motorsport, Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: So industrial design, product design, it was a course that happened to just be available for me when I graduated from High school, I guess you got high school, or to us it was college or sixth form. Um, so when when that was done, I just had to pick a course. My parents were like, "You you want to go to uni, right?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll go to, I'll go to uni." Like, I don't know, <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? I'll go. Yeah, can. And, um, yeah, sure, why not? And I just, po- I just chose a university that was fun, um, which was Bournemouth University, it's the only university that would accept me with my grades at the time and um, I just picked product design and um, went to uni with the well with the eventual idea I actually really liked it product design was fun you know for people that don't know too much about product design it's more like concept design industrial design you can design products it's like an inventor you're basically an inventor but you 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 design stuff from the beginning, and then you kind of see it through all the way through to manufacturing, and it was it was really good fun, you know. Coupled with the course being in Bournemouth, which was a fun city, fun town, um, you know, after four years, I was um, I did come out of it thinking I was going to be a product designer, and I was like, this is this is actually fun. I could I could see myself doing this, and kind of let that. Motorsport vision drift away a bit, you know, because in the back of my head, I spent so much time at university, I spent so much time and money into the course in what in learning
1: something that I really actually quite enjoyed at the time. So, so do you think the system kind of drove your vision away from what you really wanted to do? Because I feel like. The university keeps you so education busy with the course; it kind of makes you sometimes forget. Yeah, it kind of makes you forget. You know what you really yeah, want a little to bit do sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is
2: something that I talk to you about sometimes quite a bit, Joe. Is that I find the education system um, is is a bubble. You, there's no, there's no, there's not much contact with the outside world or the reality of like or like contact with reality like the education system is, is very um faith. secluded in its own world it's yeah you know it's what I've really learned during my final years of university is that to pass university you have to tick boxes in, mm-hmm. in order to to pass you know it doesn't matter how how good your idea is or like what you're doing. You just need to hit these marks. And if you don't hit those marks, you're not gonna get the piece of paper at the end of the year to get your grade, mm. and to get your certificate, to get to say that you're you know, a graduate. And I found that out during my final year really, um at uni when actually so I did when even when I was in my final year at uni, I, I still did a motorsport project. Um I still tried to keep it in touch with what i really wanted to do mm. uh, for my final year project i i designed a um
3: a um hydration system for like racing car drivers mm. um i don't know if you remember joe i think
2: i showed you but it was just so drivers yeah. can drink rehydrate while they're driving it was like built into the car and they just it's nothing new it's just um a new system And um, I remember designing it and getting feedback from companies and stuff and having, like, I made the prototype. It's great. Like, everything worked. It was, Mm -hmm. like, there was physically and theoretically nothing wrong with it. But I remember my my course leader, she was, like, a 60-year-old woman. And she just couldn't get her fucking head around why drivers would need to drink while they're racing. And they're like, "Uh, so drivers? they need to drink like i'm like yeah they need to rehydrate like they, they they're physical like and she's like oh is there space in the car for the, the, like in this stuff and i'm like yeah it. like I know, i've done my research like i know the industry like pretty well i know some cars like they already have the system but you know not to the standard that this is an improvement we was doing it yeah this is an, this slight improvement i'm trying to you know i'm trying to you know i'm trying to do the final year project here like just trying to improve certain things
3: good.
2: yeah and, and, you down. and she just couldn't get her head around it she was just very like oh bro you need yeah. to do this you need to make it like this like can you do it like that I'm like yeah I could but like in reality this wouldn't work if I did do it like that so that was one of the reasons why I found um, the education and she said she said it would never work she said it would never work and it, it would never be successful <laughs> and i kept doing it i kept doing what i wanted and um yeah she but eventually a um, steel load company steel helmet company actually took my design um and gave me a free helmet and yeah i remember that yeah it said, partial, yeah, so said yeah, partial design there, to I us <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. a good, it was a good, one of the biggest helmet companies because it, it worked with a helmet basically, a crash helmet, so th- th- there'll be a drinks tube that goes into the helmet of the racing car drivers, Um, so race car drivers helmet, and then it'll be linked to a, a hydration system, and then, but they, they took the design and they gave me a free helmet out of it, so I should have made them pay for my course, but fuck okay. um, it. But yeah, confused. I passed I I, I yeah. just passed, yeah. I passed and the, my prototype was good. Everything worked. I still have it. At home. I think it's actually in that cupboard behind Joe. Um
3: it's in there somewhere. Um so I don't know like coming out of uni, um I was I was a little bit bummed because I was like
2: <laughs> the bubble was a little bit small, you know. I don't know how you guys feel i've always said that the education system is a little bit you know oh
0: 100 they
2: need to be in touch with reality for sure
0: 100 percent. i think even because i also went through the british school system it is very um it is very research heavy um and a lot of the times research doesn't necessarily translate into what actually happens which sort of yeah yeah it yeah that was actually my topic and for my final year project, um, sort of finding that, that difference. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, no, I, 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 agree 100% that, well, once you get out into real, into the real, real world, it's, it's completely, mm-hmm. completely different animal. Um, so for, for you, Johnson, <laughs> it is, yeah, for you, Johnson, how did you sort of, I mean, I guess, transition from after you graduated to, um, Life as a mechanic um how did that because you obviously you had that you had that space where you, you could have gone further with with um the helmet that you, that you designed um but you opted for um like to actually you know have have your hands on like these these motor cars right yeah,
2: i mean coming out of uni i was i was already a year behind because I'd done three years atistic form or high school, so I was already a year behind um
3: when I came out of university, when I was 22, um, you know, I think this
2: will reflect a lot on hopefully a lot of your listeners too. But when you come out of university, it's like a it's like a rat race, right? Everyone wants to try and get a job. Everyone's trying to rush mm. to apply for certain certain places. Everyone knows like there's a, there's a part there's a, there's a part in the year which is usually like April onwards where you're going to get an influx of graduates like trying to trying to apply for jobs, you know and um everything that you learn you're like, oh, I need to try and get a job, I need to try and email companies, I need to make my c v look pretty so like they'll they'll look at it more than everyone else' is and um you know coming out of university, I was like i want to be a product designer i wanna i'm gonna try and find a product design firm in london you know there's there's a couple of big names but Am I going to get it? Like, is my work good enough? Am I experienced enough? Probably not. Like, I don't know. So, I'm pretty sure when I graduated, I just kind of chilled for a little bit.
3: I wasn't too concerned. Um, I was going to just do feel I can't remember. It's so long ago now. It's like 10 years ago. But
2: a job opportunity came up to work for a local company which um, produces carbon fiber and composite parts for Formula 1 teams. It's a a supplier. Um, So for a lot of people that don't know, um, seven of the F1 teams are based in England. Um, So that's out seven Seven out of of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Seven out of the 10 Formula 1 teams are based in England um, up in Oxfordshire area. Um, And, you know, and... For people that don't know the industry as much, that each team obviously has to produce their own car, but they don't necessarily produce all the parts. Just like everything, they use suppliers. They use people that make them, and um, just so fortunately, there was one of the one of the biggest suppliers for F1 teams, um, who produces all these carbon fiber parts for all these teams, and not just not just F1 teams. They used to do aerospace components um marine um but the majority of their their um products were motorsport so they um just so happened to be and, there to, i was lucky yeah, just happened to be down the road yeah and i was there was i met a couple of people who worked there and i was they're telling me about it and i was like wow like there's there's a company like down the road that just makes all these um components like Formula One components. And um, get stuck in as a motors as a motorsport fan. You, whenever you hear Formula One, you're like, wow, like get me in on it. I remember just going in there and just asking for a job as a designer. And they promised me that I could be a designer, a composites designer. And I was like, yeah, what well, is that? Good? What do I have to do? They're like, well, we'll put you in to do. This. we'll we'll. We'll put you on the shop floor so you can, you know, learn how everything works. So you'll actually be physically making the parts. And um I didn't mind that. I was quite good with my hands. And I was a hands-on person anyway, so I was like, let's just let's just make parts. And I really enjoyed it. Um unfortunately they didn't keep their promise. They never gave me the design job. Um, two and, and a half years, three years later. What's that? Lip service yeah a lot of talk much. And, so they promised yeah, promised they me something to that i wanted yeah never never came to fruition and i was just like all right before i knew it i was there for two and a half years three years producing parts um yeah. making parts for out of f1 teams um out for f1 teams and just um it was good so you know 95 of most race cars are made made from carbon fiber and um the process of using pre-impregnated carbon and like closed molds and resin systems stuff like that, it was it was really interesting. Like making parts, like I made pretty much everything from turbo pipes all the way through to like bodywork, to wings and stuff, mm. uh, cosmetic parts, panels. It was a lot of money, you know. Whenever you make a part, it's, like wow, this is you know you have that feeling where this is going to go to. Red Bull and they're gonna put this on their car next weekend wow Um you know so and it was literally down the road from my parents place which is where I lived Um so at the time it was good fairly good money it wasn't crazy but like it saved me money from living at home Um so yeah I mean as soon as I took that job on my, my, my degree was Um, it wasn't useless but I didn't really have to use it yeah I mean Mm. I guess it was good because I I learned the only thing that I guess I could cross correlate with that is having to um, read engineering drawings so like I used to work with a lot of drawings and engineering drawings um, and how to just read engineered specific drawings and that translated quite well coming over to a manufacturing service um, producing parts. So, and that worked
1: out well. um, So. You think at that point, you think, was that the end goal for you? You know, because you were making parts, you were involved in the industry, but did you think to yourself, you know, how can I progress from this point? You know, what was the, what was after this? Yeah. I mean,
2: when I worked at, um gtr gtr was the name of the, the company <clears throat> there was probably around 70 80 people there
3: um and we, we we were all working technically we was all working in motorsport but we just
2: work we wasn't working for the team you right? know, we was just a subsidiary indirectly. you know yeah, and everyone yep. and everyone, everyone had like this pride. They're like, oh yeah, this part's gonna go on this team this week. And but in my mind, I was like, how do I actually work for the team? Like, we we like we don't work for the team. We we work for GTR. Like, we. <laughs> If you want to, you want to get closer to racing, you, right. yeah, you, yeah, you you're just a supplier, like. Just, but I had bigger goals than that, and I was saying to people, like, look, like, what, do you guys ever want to work for a team? Like, do you know, it'd be be a lot more appealing for you, surely? Like, as you know, aspirations wise, you want to work in F one. You know, we we technically already work for F one, and why why don't you want to carry on and and go further? But when you when you are in that environment you, you meet two groups of people you meet the group you meet one group of people that are comfortable and they don't give a shit where they work they just want to live in a hometown and they just want to chill and then you meet the other group of people exactly. which that that tell you that you can't do it they tell you that it's unobtainable like you can you'll never make it you'll, you'll never get to another team Um, and Mm. And like, oh,
1: you're here forever but like you're gonna be with, you're gonna be with us you know and so did they think you... f1 was like the impossible dream is that um, what they i don't, think, that they their f- mindset I don't that think they f1 thought f1 it was, was the impossible top. they just uh, you know just because
2: they didn't push for it they just because they didn't push for it they they never tried to help you but the reason why they didn't push for it is because most of it didn't know how to you know so um it's been a few times where like you say, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply for this job and double blah, blah, blah Good luck. But like no one no one really was genuinely happy for you to like move into a, a team or whatever, but you you have to try and forget about that and try to transition where you can and when you can. So after two and a half years, three years of being there, you know, you just have to try and expand your horizons. And um as a um as a laminator which is what we were called carbon laminators which essentially was just laminating carbon um an opportunity came up at lotus formula one team as a composites buyer so as a buyer you're the one that's at the team choosing which suppliers you want to produce your parts for the team so i'll be on the the other side of the fence Ah, uh, okay. So, so as a buyer, you it's a desk job, but you're you're in control of who you send out the components to to get produced. For example, you could send them out to GTR. You can send them out to um, URT, which Joe knows about. You know, all these there's there's a handful of suppliers in the UK that can produce parts, carbon fiber parts, and as a composites buyer, you you can do that and produce um work for these teams that that were out there and um a job came up for that. Um back in two thousand and fifteen I think when I was there. So I'd done two and a half years, two, three years. And then a the job came up and um I just applied and got the job. I remember telling my boss at GTR I was because like, they actually tried to stop me leaving once, like for another team. <laughs> you remember Joe? I don't know if it told you. Yeah, they because they That's probably the, the stupid thing, like you people think you come out and you'll you'll be you people think you come out of university and you you can you can work for a company that'll look after you, they'll do everything for you, but it's not the case. Like there's there's always gonna be people that are always gonna try to fuck you. It doesn't matter where you are. You, the only the only reason why companies hire people is so they can do the job. And as long as you do that job properly and they, and you're making the money, that some companies will just be like, you can stay in that position because like you're doing a good job, and and, and yeah. we're not going to give you anything else. We're not going to put you in design. We're not going to do anything else. You know, you you're good. You're, you're good there. You you can stay there. You're good yeah. there. Yeah, I mean that GTR like it was a great company back then, but like it, it was time to move on for me. And the the only reason why I left was. Just to expand myself it wasn't because i hated the company or anything it's just to expand and i got the mm-hmm. opportunity to work for, for for them as a composites buyer i remember telling my boss and i was yep. like i'm going to go to lotus f1 and i'm going to be a buyer and he was like his eyes just lit up and he was like what as in like you're going to be the one in control of like if we get the parts or not like you're going to you're going to be buying the parts and, and i'll be like yeah and I'm like, yeah, I've got I got the job. Like I went for an interview yesterday. I'm I'm leaving. And they're like, Okay, well make sure you um make sure you keep sending us work. And I'm like, we'll see. <laughs> do, you, do you still
0: do you still keep we'll in see. touch? Do you still keep in touch with them or how how is it?
2: Uh not so much. No. Sometimes I go back in there just to say hello, but like I just remember it was it, I think they were very surprised that I, I actually landed that job. Um and at the same time they they're quite surprised that you know, they I think they wished they maybe treated me a little bit better. But business is business, you know, the the clients were already locked in with Lotus. Um so it wasn't Congrats like I could go in there and just be like, you know what? <laughs> I ain't gonna give this team no, no no jobs, like I'm just gonna carry on but we we kept a professional, you know. Relationship going, and they actually helped us out a lot. And then, and in a sense, it actually helped out a lot because I, I was already familiar with with the team, with the with GTR, what they could provide, when they could give us. So it made my job as a buyer a lot easier to, because we could expect what they could do. Um, so I joined, I joined Lotus F1. So you um, made it. I actually joined. You made it into. Made it into. <laughs> Yeah, to, in my mind, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in F1 now. Like, I can do whatever I want." But it's not the case Man's at all. I I moved into Lotus F1. Uh, you know, teams go come and go. So Lotus F1 was on the brink of bankruptcy, and they were losing money. They they had no money back then. They were very um, underfunded. They were so it was a bit of a risk for me to come and to join a new team with no money, you know. I got there on my first day and everyone was like, I didn't even know they were hiring people. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm guy? the new guy. They're like, all oh, right. And, <laughs> I, and I remember them. the first paycheck. Like, I, None of us got our first paycheck like, for a few weeks. And I was like, this is, this is I'm, I'm in the thick of the unstable industry that motorsport can be. Because you can see it. When you're in the factory, you can see it. You can physically see that there's no coffee in the coffee machines. There's no toilet paper in the toilets. There's no canteen anywhere. That. Like, there's no, you know, it's just deprived. Like, the, the walls are messed up. There's no parts. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, a bit deprived. But luckily, um, Renault ran out. Um, came in six months later and bought the team out. And as soon as they signed the contract, the next day, contractors came in and decorated the place. And from then on, I worked for Renault F1. Put
1: some toilet paper in.
0: Toilet? Yeah.
2: That was, that was a nice addition to the team.
0: (laughs) More toilet paper means better better morale. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: People are less full of shit then
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so but yeah after how did after it feel? a couple of years how did it feel though being in f1 did it feel like your dream was like you know succeeded in, in a way as a buyer because it was a best job yeah yeah i mean this is another thing right it depends
2: what you're content with and what you're happy with a part of me was like fuck i've made it like i mean i'm in, I'm in I f1 mean like you know a lot of people <laughs> would see it and be like you know and 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 don't get me wrong like being in f1 is is rewarding you know you get to see if you're a fan or if you're an enthusiast like i was like joe was growing up being in the factory and seeing how seeing the parts being made, like you see the factory it's it's massive and you you see all these people working. You see all these parts being made. You see all these components being inspected, produced, whatever. And then you take a step back, and it's all of this just for two cars to race around a racetrack every week. And that's it. And you're like, how is this? How is this even a job? Like we're literally just making parts for for race for two race cars to race around a racetrack for a sport, and for no longer a sport no, no. you know, anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you you know, it's not—it's not like we need these cars to live. You know, not like when you work in the medical industry where, like, these your people's lives depend on it. Like, people's lives don't depend on this shit. You just—you just have to do whatever you can so you can get these parts out to the next race, and then do it as a buyer anyway, which is my job. But, um, but it felt good. Like, I was in there and I was happy. It was tough. Like, being a buyer was difficult, um, stressful. You know, a lot depends on you, but very rewarding. Worked worked with some great people. Um, I got along with my boss um, at the time. There, he was mm. he was a nice guy. I know Barry, if he listens to this, shout out to Barry. Um, he gave me he gave me the opportunity. You know, um, it was it was a good good year because I, I, I did that job for one year. That was it just for one season mm. and that was a desk job so
1: i remember i remember um was that your, was that your thing because you went from a, a quite practical job to a, a desk job so did you think Oh no, um this isn't for me anymore oh yeah
2: absolutely yeah you know i did it for a year and i was like how can i transition into something else now because i know that i can't do this role for 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 another year and another another season whatever another minute yeah and on on our internal website we can we can look at jobs there's always jobs being posted and you know job availabilities and um one came up for wind tunnel
3: technician which is like another department which deals with aerodynamics a very cool
2: department you know that's where that's where most of the technology comes from in, in f1 is downforce and aerodynamics and stuff and it was you know if you didn't work in aerodynamics you couldn't go into the aerodynamics department because it's so top secret in case you tell other teams what we're working on what, what kind of things we're doing um and this job just came up on on the thing and i just told my boss i was like look uh, i'm gonna apply for this job um Wanna do something a bit more hands on. And credit to my boss, he knew that. He he was very helpful with me. He was he was asking different departments, gearbox department, sub assembly department, um if are jobs for me. Order. Just just transfer. Yeah, he was it was great. Very grateful for him for always doing that for me. Um but then this job, if this is official position came up for this one position and to work in the wind tunnel testing the cars came up applied mm-hmm. I remember getting a phone call in my office I remember getting a phone call from my office telephone I always get phone calls anyway so it's like I picked it up hello manager man. from the wind tunnel was like oh is this Johnson I was like yeah I was like oh, it's Tom from the wind tunnel he's like we've seen that you've applied for the job here and I was like but in my head, I was like a little bit scared because I didn't really tell anyone apart from a boss that I applied for another job. And they were calling me. I was like, yeah, I did. I did apply for a job. I'm like in the corner. <laughs> and they're like, okay, do you want to come over to the wind tunnel and we'll have a chat? And I was like, yeah, okay, see you there. And in like 10 minutes, I like put the phone down. I like, walked over to the department, had an interview and um, they said, all right, well, um, yeah, you seem like a good candidate and we'll we'll let you know in a few weeks. And... Just in time for the end of the season, it kind of transitioned well. So
3: mm.
2: I went from doing the composites buying job, right, to working in the wind tunnel. So, right. um, the you know one wind tunnel was great. It's one yeah. of the most advanced areas that you could be in. You know, yeah. it's it's a great another another great insight into another world that I didn't. Get exposed to even working there. So, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, for for any aerospace nerds, this is one of the best places to to experience that. So,
0: and Johnson, I've a, a question like about like just you're you're working with within that field, and especially the uh the the, uh, the sports car field, like as as, mm-hmm. a, as an employee, like what do you guys have like special performance indicators? Because like say in sales, if you meet a a certain percentage, like, you get called up? Is it... Do you have, like, specific, like, metrics where you can measure, like, your performance, or is it just, like, more, more, like, relational?
2: Um, I mean, every, every position that I've been in has their own quota, I guess. It depends on what you're doing. So, when I was in manufacturing, um, producing parts, you just gotta, you gotta keep your scrappage rate low. Scrappage rate is basically parts you you fuck up so don't get any don't don't keep messing up parts produce the parts make sure they're good you know make sure they're good quality when i was in composites buying the the quota for that was to just make sure the parts come in from the supplier in time if the design department releases a drawing and then you have to go and get it produced outside of the workshop. you got to make sure that you keep on top of that and make sure that the company gets it but sometimes your hands are tired depending on what you're doing you know it's crazy Some the amount of times we i'd get released drawings from companies from from the design design department for example and they're like i was like when 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 do you need this part like like, oh for the next race i'm like okay well the next race is in four days i'm like like, thanks so now i've got to run around like a headless (laughs) chicken To like find a component, find a supplier that can make this for me, and get it to the next race. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the quota for that is is simply that. So, um, and then just like when I went into the wind tunnel, um, you know, the the wind tunnel is a very expensive operation. Mm. Every time um, we we start a run, essentially which is... So for people that don't understand, the wind tunnel is basically... We have a 60% scale model of the car that we're developing inside of a tunnel that blows wind on it. And we'll go in there, change some parts, and then we'll come out of the tunnel and then we'll blow wind on it at 112 miles an hour, which is set standard by the FIA. Um, And then... We 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 test it. We see if the cars there's 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 different cells, uh, load cells that measure. It's a very complicated system, but people are always testing stuff, seeing how much downforce we can get. You know, and in that in that position, you just got to make sure that whatever part you're changing just has to stay on the car and doesn't break off, doesn't fall off, doesn't doesn't you know damage the rolling road and stuff like that. So it's um that's with each with each position i found it, it's kind of you can you can see how you can already see how inconsistent my path was to where I wanted to be Mm -hmm. because I've done three jobs already and I'm still not a mechanic I'm still not a trackside I'm still not doing what I wanted to do and by this time I was already four or five years deep into it Mm -hmm. after uni you know so like how old was I then 25 no 27 26 27 you know so it's i i know looking back i could do um a lot more straightforward path
1: but this is just what i got handed to me i kind of fell into it a little bit so what do you mean straightforward like what could you have done differently um you know before to make that to streamline your your path to to get there a bit earlier um
3: If I wanted to, then I probably could have just,
2: you know, looking back at it, I could have just went and worked for a lower Formula Junior team to to be a mechanic, or or even just work in a garage somewhere. But look, I don't know. It's hard to hard to gauge because if I didn't if I didn't go back, if I didn't work in GTR, work in any of these motorsport environments, I probably wouldn't have a much I wouldn't I probably wouldn't have a clear idea of how the industry works so therefore I wouldn't do it because if everyone everyone who wants to be a mechanic would just be like I want to go work at a dealership I want to go work at Mercedes or, or Citroen or whoever um, mm. but that's a different field right it's like you're, you're just a diagnostics person at a dealership that has to fix people's cars consumer cars you know road cars Everyday people cars, cars you know, it's not it's not racing to me. Course. Yeah, you know, and the I was very, uh, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be snobby about it, but I just wanted to stay away from that industry because I knew it wasn't connected. So therefore, you couldn't understand how how everyone would come together and and go racing. But I was also very salty because I remember I applied for a job at Citroen to wash cars, and they never gave it to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: worked worked out worked out you know. in the end, huh? <laughs>
2: I was like, I remember, I was like 16, and I was like, no, I was added my driver's license. I was 18. I applied to go wash cars for Citroën for summer, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get my first job washing cars. Went there, applied, did my interview,
3: and they're like, yeah, I
2: might give you a call. Never called me back, and I was like, I just remember sitting there, I was like, how, how, how am I not qualified to wash a car? You know?
0: Well, yeah, like
2: yeah. who who else came along? Who else came along that was better than me? And I was like, just a little bit deflated. I was like,
0: it's all right. They must carry on the
2: move. Move on.
0: The uh, the wax on yeah. wax off down. I don't know. I don't know. Turn. Yeah. It sounds like it, it worked out better for just say you.
1: <laughs> just say you were from Karate Kid. Wax on wax off. Like I'm wax the perfect candidate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right
2: Yeah, it just never worked out. But uh, but no, I'm I'm kidding. They they, they probably just had. A different candidate. They like, probably wanted someone younger. You know, I was eighteen, so it probably wasn't ideal. You know, mm-hmm. you, I pay you more I try not to take these things personal personally, but it's just it's just ironic, you know, back then that I couldn't I couldn't even wash a car, but now I work on a lot of these different cars. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, but you know, when I when I was working in the wind tunnel, because every job that I think it's very important for young people to know that every job that you are in the next opportunity or the position that comes along doesn't come to you directly you have to you have to constantly be on your feet to just actively self find you know self promote yourself and and always be active to to search for the next step Mm. search for the next (laughs) goal or whatever you want to do you know, you, you you and I could just sit at a desk job every day and just walk in nine to five every day. But nothing comes to you. No, nothing ever comes to you. Right. All, all the jobs that I've done leading up to here has always been me approaching key people, approaching teams, approaching other people to try and get other jobs. Chasing. You know. So I'm chasing it, yeah, you always got to chase it. So I think the biggest... The biggest... um turnaround point for me was when I was in the wind tunnel and I was working and my shifts would be very weird they'll be like because the wind tunnel works 24-7 it's always going and it would be me and then there'd be two other guys who'd work on different shifts so mine would be mine would generally be 6am to 2pm and then after 2pm I'd be done I'd, I'd go home I'd eat and it'd be like 3 pm and I'd be bored. So I'd sleep. Because 3 p.m. is probably a little bit too early to start drinking. And then I'd go I'd go out. How <laughs> oh, it? No, I think of it. I started drinking at 5 a.m. this morning, but it's okay. <laughs> um you know, so you know, back then my my shift was six AM to two PM and I was like <laughs> after two PM I was done. I was like, but I was bored. I was like what what can I do? So I used to go over to the other side of the building and I used to go and ask uh, the car build department, which would basically be the department that would put together the car or like um, start prototyping certain pieces and they'll just, because all these parts would come in from every manufacturer and stuff and they'd have to test it and they'd have to put it together for the real car for the race car, you know, so, that for people that know Formula One, there's like two cars, there's always parts coming in, and there's always things changing, car build department was the department that would pre-assemble it, put it together, get it to a stage where they could hand it over to the race team, and the race team would carry it on and, and take it racing with them. So, I'd go, I'd go in, at, when 2pm finished, I would go in there, and, actually, I approached them, I was like, look, I'll finish at two p.m. Can I come in here and just help out? And they're like, "Yeah, sure." Like, and and the guys knew me quite well in there because I used to communicate with them a lot during my composite buying days, and I'd just speak to them and have a relationship there. And when I was in the wind tunnel, I was like, "Okay, look, um, I'm over in the wind tunnel six till two. Can I come over here and just help out for free?" Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to HR and be like, "Look." <laughs> can you pay me a little bit more? Pay me. I used to just go into car, but yeah, pay me, come on, just give me a little bit more money. And, um, you know, but the crazy thing is like, even, even leading up to that, like money wasn't even a thing in my head. I, all I wanted was enough money to go pay rent, eat, go out at the weekends and and you know live i, I wasn't i wasn't trying i wasn't trying to save up for a house i wasn't trying to save up for uh, anything you know money wasn't even um a thing for me like i just didn't i didn't really care about the money i never did um at that point because i, I didn't i didn't really have that aspiration i just wanted to get a you know progress into my job so it was you know First. at that point I was like yeah just go in there my time I could just give my time so I gave my time to to the car build department so from 2pm till 6pm I'd be working on the car just helping out doing odd jobs whatever they needed especially during the pre preseason so like up from October onwards to like January it'd be very busy because the season would start essentially in January when everyone's testing so people test the cars officially at probably Barcelona or whatever so I'd be very busy and I'd and I'll just go there and just hang out. Great group of guys. Um didn't really have to do too much work. It was just good to be around the environment, to see the the full size parts, to see everything. Just soak it all in, like the insight, you know. I was happy, you know. You know, as, as an F one fan or whatever, you know, you to see these parts come in actual parts, real parts that would go on cars and stuff and you know, it's like helping them out and it was a really good laugh and i had done that for like a year or two nearly like 18 months after my normal shift in the wind tunnel I'd go over there and just help out whenever I could and I'd just help out and eventually i spoke to the manager I was like do you think I can transition over to this department and they were like "Uh, well right now we're not really looking for people Um, and I was like okay that's not a problem
0: after Um, all that free work but then
2: I asked yeah, no, <laughs> it wow. is what it is. But, it, but the department was pretty, pretty. Um, you know, you you almost have to already be a mechanic to be in that department because most of them were ex-mechanics. Um, so I didn't have that background, and then I spoke to the race team manager and the show team manager, and I was like, look, how can I? How can i um become part of the team like you know i just want to travel around with you guys and how do i do it and um i was like can i can i can i join the show team which is like an exhibition team that runs alongside the race team and i was like can i can i do it and they just flat out said no you, you can't like because you haven't got the experience you haven't got the track side experience You you haven't been to a racetrack before, and it's true. Like, I've never been to a racetrack with a race car. Like, I wouldn't know how Mm -hmm. to act. If they took me to a track with a race car, I'd be like, where do I go? Like, what do I do? I don't know. Like, where am I? What (laughs) am I I doing? And and I was like, that that, that really sucked. And I was like, hmm. Okay. So, I remember. i was a little bit deflated you know everyone get, you know you, at that point you're like jesus i'm so deep into like my field of work right now i'm 20 26 27 i'm nearly 30 years old like in my head i'm like 20 yeah twenty, twenty six. 26 i think so you you're not old but you're like i've just spent the last four or five years trying to
3: yeah, bunny hop into yeah. all these
2: different positions mm. to do it and you know, in my mind, I was like, I still want to be a mechanic. Like, you know, like, people thought I was fucking crazy. Like, just stick to one job still, I mean. And I remember I applied for a job. A job came up at Carlin. Um, Carlin is a, a junior feeder series team that races in F4, F2, F3, IndyCar, they're probably the most successful single-seater team outside of Formula One, who are based about an hour and a half away from mine and Joe's hometown. For number two mechanic for in a Formula Three team, um, I remember I applied. Just I just applied, like I didn't, because at Rano, they were like, you need to, you need
3: to go join a lower Formula season team, and then come back. because because
2: whenever they have a position going in F1 they get hundreds of people that apply all all with Formula 2 Formula 3 Formula whatever experience you know you can imagine there's seven F1 teams in the UK there's also like a lot of different like feeder series teams everyone has all these experiences it's all like lower formula teams and as soon as a job position goes out for a mechanic they're going to get hundreds of people with all this experience, you know, and they're not going to choose me, someone that has zero experience just because I've worked there, just cause you're in there and you're, you're inside the building, like it doesn't work like that. He said, Oh, like mm. you need to go, if you want to be a mechanic, you need to go away and, and, and and get some experience. And I was mm. like, how the fuck am I going to do that? Like, you, you think to yourself to that I'm in F1, yeah I'm gonna have to leave. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm going. I'm literally gonna have to leave this this dream environment that I'm in, and 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 go. So mm. your job came up at Carlin as it a so two mechanic
1: that, and trauma. Yeah, I mean, so shit, because you spent so long to try and get closer to F1, just to be told that you have to leave. Th- and get the experience and then come back, you know? Like, it took you so long yeah, to try and Yeah, I mean, but the
2: reality out. of it hit me because the reality of it hit me because I, I would speak to other mechanics at the team and I'd be like, and you'd pick their brains, you know? And this is the important thing of, like, networking. You should always, like, just, you know, pick people's brains. Just ask them, how, how do they do? Where do they come from? And I'd speak to the guys that worked there and I'd be like, oh, so, you know, what did you work in? And these kids are, like, 24 years old. 23 years old and they've already got 5 years of experience underneath their belt working in formula 2 formula 3 and I'm and I'm 26 like with zero experience trackside and you're like I can understand how this is what I'm up against mm. you know I'm never going to be able to beat a younger cheaper guy with way more experience than I have more experience you know so mm. My hands were a little bit tied, I was just like, Oh god, like I put this young gun over here, he's just joined a team with like all this experience. And the crazy thing is I didn't know anything about the car. Like, you know, I'll be honest, like I didn't know anything. Like as much as I understood aerodynamics, parts, components, whatever, like you if if the manager told me to put together a pedal box, I'd be like I fucking I don't know. I can't I can't do it. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, where is the pedal box? <laughs> yeah. You know where is it? Yeah, yeah. You know, you like or like put together like this assembly. I was like, okay, if you give me a drawing, I'll do it. But like there's people that would know it like instantly. Like they'll tell you like where it is. And um you know, that sucked. So but I applied for a job at a lower formula season lower lower f- formula team, Carlin, who 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 me and Joe know very well, they're very reputable. They put on a lot of F1 drivers on the grid today, you know, and i just applied. And I remember I was in San Diego, and I got a phone call from um, Mark Owen, who's one of the, the top engineers there. And he just called me and he was like, oh, can you, um, do you want to come in for an interview? Like we see like you've got some experience in motorsport, like we're looking for a number two mechanic in Formula 3. Um, And I was like, yeah, sure. He was like, can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, "Uh, currently in uh, San Diego, just like chilling. So like, can I come in like when I come back next week? And he was like, oh, must be nice. And I was like, yeah, it is. But like, and he was like, okay, well, we need someone like pretty quick. So if you can make it next week, then come. If not, then that's fine. And I was like, he was like I could tell that he needed me there and I was like to to discuss stuff and I literally this was at my beginning of my holiday and I was like oh god like and I applied like four months ago maybe so to get a phone call four months later and I was like and I'm in the wrong I'm, I'm in the wrong part of the country I couldn't like even do it like so he said just call me when you're back and I was like okay and I remember like, I landed back in England like a week later and I just said to him I, as soon as I landed I called him and I was like hi Marcus Johnson um, are you going to be at the workshop today he goes yeah sure he goes, are and he was like are you back I was like yeah I've literally just landed like can I come and see you he was like yeah sure and I drove from the airport to Carlin and he was like so you just landed I was like yeah he's you like, are you jet lagged? Like, yeah, I'm pretty jet lagged. But like, I'll I'll come and see you. And he was like, Oh, great. Okay. Well, he gave me an interview, and it's like, Well, we're looking for like a number two mechanic. Blah blah. You know. He was, I was in the chair. I was I was falling asleep. I was like, so tired from traveling. When he was like, Can you start? Like, when can like if you could start? When could you start? And then yeah. like, he was like, He was like, We need someone like in a month because we're going testing in italy so i remember this was like february so this was march whatever and i was like i was like yeah and because i worked in aerodynamics so if you work in aerodynamics in formula one your notice period is six months to a year because they think that you're going to go to another team and share information
0: huh oh that's that's interesting
2: and mine was six months so my notice period was six months right so the day I handed my notice period I have to wait another six months Mm. to leave and I was like this ain't gonna fucking work like I need to leave now and I remember going back and I said to my boss I was like can I I found a job it's not in Formula 1 it's in Formula 3 it's in mechanics completely different field no one even knows I ain't going to be able to tell shit because I don't know shit about aerodynamics like, I'm not going to be able to just conjure up a, a new design and share it with another team can you um, can you let me go you know like so I can work for Carlin beginning of the season perfect
3: and it was like no wow and I was like this sucks and I was I was like, "What do you mean?" Like,
2: they're like, "No, like rules, rules, rules." Like, you you can't go, you can't leave. So I ended up I had to I had to talk to a few people at Renault, and, you know. It ended up going to the top. Just made my case. I was like, "Look, I've always wanted to be a mechanic. Like, this is my goal. I'm going to be in Formula Three. I'm working with Carlin, who who they know. Blah blah, and then." They let me go. They're like, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, you can leave in a month. Let's do a month. It was close. And I spoke to my old team. I spoke to my new team, Carlin, and they're like, they're like, yeah, okay, well, it's going to be close, but your first day is going to be at the airport and you're flying straight to Italy. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even at their workshop. I remember turning up and Yeah, I remember I I had to take... Essentially, it was a step back and I had to take a pay cut and I had to move back home to my parents' place. You know, I I was on decent money at Renault and then I had to like take a big chunk to go back into junior racing and move back home with my parents. And even... The only reason why I moved back to my parents was so I didn't have to pay rent, but then it was like because it was it was cheap, obviously I'd get I' get fed, but the drive was still an hour and fifteen minutes each way to and yeah. from the factory, so it wasn't like it was even close. it was just the only reason I done it was because it was just cheap, and I could be looked after, but yeah, it's I, I left when and then yeah at twenty six we moved, moved back moved back home when i was twenty six and I was like, oh, I'm back home like this is crazy. And I'm not even on good money I can't even do shit now like I've barely got any money to like do anything like I'd go out sometimes and, but mm. you know sometimes like that was that was one of the biggest things you know take a, you have to take steps back sometimes mm. well for me not always not for everyone but you just have to take a step back to to get to where you want to be and that's what I had to do and um, from, from that day onwards I was officially a mechanic on a Formula 3 team and I was like, couldn't be any happier. Like,
0: so, Johnson, yeah. can, can you tell us how how you went from there all the way to um, was was Miami the first place you you uh, were based in in the U.S.
2: Yeah, yeah. If Miami was the first place because I done a whole year of Formula Three with this team, mm-hmm. and then the team that i that I was was with Carlin have an Indy Car team based out in America. IndyCar is a North American race championship um, here. And after a year, after a year, I just kind of semi-requested if I could transfer to America um, and and work on the IndyCar side of stuff. And I think I've done pretty well in F3. Um, Mark, who hired me, was pushing for it too. He was like, you know, if that's what you want to do, then let's try and get you a visa and, and get you out there. You know, this was only after one year. And I was like, and to do IndyCar is a pretty unique and special thing for a European to do because not many people can do it because there's only, it's only American based. Right. It's all, all based in America. And obviously the, the idea of moving to the US, you know, to do that was appealing. So I just pushed for it, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: I remember I'm a, American. Dream. I remember when the season finished. Yeah, I remember when I finished the season, and when was it? I remember it was the day before my birthday. The lady came up to me, and was like, uh, "We've just processed your visa, so you're gonna have an interview in a few weeks."
3: Um, Merry Christmas, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like, all right, sweet, sweet, and I think the
2: the thing is like I didn't even know I I remember telling them I wanted to do it but like there was never any confirmation that I was going to go or do anything and the lady just came up to me and was like yeah we we started your visa process Um, so um, after Christmas just come in and we'll start going through some paperwork and um, yeah go from there and then actually took a little bit longer because I moved out to I moved to Miami in April 2019 so from, from Christmas to April, the visa application was very easy and quick, but it was literally like, here's your visa. I go out and go do it. And my first race was the Indy 500, which is insane. Like that's the biggest race in the world. Like in terms of crowd numbers, there's like 350,000 people. And I went to the workshop, prepped the cars, did everything. first time I've ever seen an Indy car before. And then they went out and they said, okay, you, your first race is going to be an Indy car um, in, in the Indy 500.
3: I was like, alright
0: sweet that, that's incredible that's crazy and how was how was the transition from um, F3 and F1 to 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 the uh, Indy 500
2: the Indy 500 I mean straight away the race like the championship is very different but an F3 car and an Indy indie car is very similar because they're actually made by the same company the cars okay. it's a company called Dallara it's an Italian company. It's just a different chassis, but like the fundamentals are very similar. You know, you get you get your chassis, you get your engine, and you get your gearbox, but then you have everything hanging off of the corners. So it's made by Delara, so it's very simple. If you've worked on a Formula Three car made by Delara, you can work on an v- Indie car relatively easily. Um that that is it. same with a Formula 2. Formula 2, Formula 3, Indy Car even some LMP cars made by Delara, So it kind of all transitions very well. It doesn't, it's not too crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. And how, how is, sorry, this is getting a little bit away from, from the professional field, but I want to know about your transition uh, to the U S from the UK. Like how did you, what did you think of it when you first sort of got, got settled, settled in like aside from, aside from work? I
2: mean, I I went to America in 2015, just for fun,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I loved it ever since. Ever since I was a kid, I think Joe's not, Joe knows this. Like ever since I was a kid, I've, I've actually always wanted to move to America. Um, so it's either one of those two: it's either move to America or like working, work in motorsport. And t- so to do both of those things, wow, and be in it is is um. It's rewarding, for, you know, uh, to, to to say that I've I've completed two of my biggest goals. Um, you know, it makes me feel pretty happy that that I'm here doing it. But trans- uh, transitioning to America, um, it was different, you know, because I moved to Miami knowing that I've never been to Miami, so I literally had two suitcases and I moved straight there via hong kong so i moved i went to hong kong first and then i went from hong kong to to america but it's completely different culture very different place um yeah i mean england england is so reserved compared to america (laughs) What you know it's it's you know everything in america is you know bigger is better um everyone's confident everyone's loud everyone's like flamboyant mm-hmm. right in england everyone's mm-hmm. kind of chilled you know like everyone's minding their own business like don't fucking talk to me unless i talk to you like right you know here like especially especially where, where i was in florida oh, you know you go out and you you'd speak you'd, you'd go for a drink but you'd end up speaking to like Different people. Everyone was very nice. Everyone's friendly. Like there was nothing wrong with that. But everyone was more outgoing. Everyone was a bit more happier. I guess. I don't know. Maybe it was just the sun, or maybe just Floridians. Because fuck me, Floridians are like the weirdest people I've ever met. But they're also the nicest people I've met. Oh yeah. You know. So it was. um, It was. It was a good transition. It was humid. You know, going from England to Florida was humid but it was um it was a great experience like america has always been somewhere that i wanted to experience so to to live in it and i've only been here two and a half years so it's not that long it feels like i've only been here like 8 months
3: mm-hmm.
2: and i'm still learning stuff i'm still trying to adapt to the lifestyle there's still a lot of things that throw me off that i don't understand mm. well, I like but taxes america taxes
1: <laughs> like What's that? going to fill out like your own form,
0: Taxes. You
1: still gotta fill out like your own form. You guys America, should. Right?
0: Yeah, you, you do. You gotta file your own taxes.
2: Yeah, there, um, yeah. I mean, like for, as much as I love America, it's um, it, it's the most advanced backwards country I've been to.
0: Oh, I I know. It's it's definitely it's definitely not a perfect place, but you know, but it is a it is a, a place.
2: No, it's it's not. No, it's not. Um, I mean, if you can filter out that kind of stuff and then move on, but like, no, I, I, I really like it here. Yeah, I mean, there's there's good and bad things about it. You know, I miss Europe. Mm. I miss a lot of things about Europe too. But mm. transitioning over, um, yeah, especially moving to a new country. Like for anyone that moves to a new country, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to try and settle into somewhere, you know. It took took me a while to get a social security number, it took me a while to get a bank account. Start building credit. Start doing that. You, you know, you're you're basically a new person. Right. You know
0: Wow, so so you have an SSN, that means like you you're you're here. Like you're not just visiting, you are here. So that's that's big moves. Oh I'm here, yeah.
2: I'm I've got a driving license here. He's here. I mean that's great. I like, I remember I had to get my driving license in Florida and I that was one of the most this basically told, told me what Florida is like I remember going to a DMV booked my driving license and I did my driving test and the driving test took me five minutes and it was in the car park and all I had to do was pull out of the space drive around the car park stop at a stop sign turn left and then park back into the space I just came out of and she was like great wow. great job I was like I was like I looked at her and I was like w- was, that, was that it? like I, you, you don't want me to go out and drive on the roads and she's like
3: no, 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 we don't Dude. do that. Either.
2: I was like, and I was like, that's fine by me. <laughs> Just sign my piece of paper and like, let me out of this place because like, this explains exactly why f-
1: Florida has some of the worst drivers I've ever experienced.
0: It makes sense. I mean,
1: for context, for context, the UK like, driving oh, you have tests, to do like 30 I hours of like driving and hour. then like a 50 minute test.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well Florida is also like one of those. Um, the more um, uh, more I guess transitioning from the UK to like one of the most like right wing places in the US that's it's probably very mm.
3: it's
0: probably a big shock <laughs> yeah
3: um,
2: yeah I didn't really know what to think of Florida when I landed but it's definitely an interesting place it's, it's a lot of fun it can be a lot of fun mm. you know I, I think the biggest thing that I've taken away since i've moved here in order for my you in, in order for me to enjoy my experience here in america is is to just try to avoid politics oh yeah because there's a lot of outspoken people here oh you yeah. know That's right. so it's very um yeah so like luckily when i worked at my old team um it was all english people it was ninety-five percent English people, maybe like one or two Americans. Wow. So, like for us, we was just—it felt like we was there on a long holiday. Like we was just there for. So all the all the English guys, we never really spoke about anything apart from work and every, everything else besides politics. So now that I'm with this new team, it's, there's there's way more Americans there. So like they're more permanent. They 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 speak about it a lot more, especially during the elections. You know, people would speak about. Right, right you know, Trump and Biden right. and stuff, okay. but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't contribute to it enough because I don't know enough about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But also if I tried to like contribute enough to it, mm-hmm. because I have a different perspective coming from a European background, Oh right, right, right. they wouldn't understand it,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, because it's a very different, it's different lifestyle. I'm like, to me, I'm like, why, why, why is why, why is everyone like so divided? Mm-hmm. You know, that's one oh, of the biggest yeah. things I've taken away from it is that everyone's a little bit more divided here. Mm-hmm. And, um,
0: not for the better either. It, it
2: can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, not for the better, you know, but coming here in America, I've embraced a lot of the American life
3: mm-hmm.
2: for sure. You know, bought a gun, you know. I
0: mean, yeah, you're in Vegas, so um, that's well Wild well, 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 you in
2: Vegas, oh. you know, got a, a primal, you know, like, bought a gun, Um haven't bought a truck yet or V8, but that's coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god! You know,
3: so.
2: it's you know, I like it. You know, and obviously my girlfriend's based out here in Vegas, mm-hmm. and one of the main reasons why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's um, oh yeah, I love it. Like there's there's a lot more. It's interesting because I was actually having a conversation with my buddies yesterday. And they said that london is a very diverse place like london is one of the most diverse cities in the world isn't mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i could see how Absolutely. that is you know there's a lot of europeans there but i still think america yeah, is actually more diverse than london
0: as, as a whole or, oh, yeah. you know,
2: I, I feel,
0: <laughs> or just like certain areas yeah i feel like as a whole yeah,
2: yeah yeah i mean growing up i never had growing up i never had any Especially in England, where I lived in in the south coast of England, like there was a lot of Indian people, a lot of white people,
0: mm-hmm.
2: maybe some black people, but like me and Joe were always the only Asians.
0: Yeah. Ah.
2: And my sister, but like there was nothing. Like there was nowhere, no. There was whereas, here, like in in comparison here, like where I'm in Vegas, mm-hmm. like, everyone that I know is. Mexican, everyone that I know is Asian, everyone I know is, is Vietnamese, Filipino, Chinese, mm. like and there's communities, like big communities of them, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, I've never heard so many Asian people in my life before, even when I came here in 2015 to Los Angeles, uh-huh. like, my buddies like dropped me straight into K-Town and I was like, where the fuck am I, <laughs> this place is amazing. <laughs> mm. You know, like, and I've never hung out with so many Asian people in my life. And I was like, "This is, this is cool." Like, even going up to like college, university, there's maybe like one other Asian guy who never spoke to me.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, the UK. I I feel like the diversity
2: in America is very, very spread out. Yeah, everyone's in their own little bubble, you know. Yeah, but in in America, like, you're just you can't get away from it. Like, there's people Mm -hmm. of all nationalities everywhere. I mean, you must know, you know, you, you, you grew up in, or you lived in Kansas City, so like yeah. the middle of America is very different to the oh, edges yeah. of America, so like east yeah. on the west coast.
0: Yeah, we had um, a lot, lot less. It's next.
2: crazy, because I'll, I'd, I'd tra- I'd tra- yeah, you know, it's, um, America as a whole, like, I've met a lot of people in the middle of America, where I used to go to, like, where I'd travel to the races, mm-hmm. and just meet, like, a race fan, for example, and... Speak to them, and I'm like, I've, oh, I've never even left my state. Like, I only come to this event once a year because it's the most exciting thing that happens here. I'm like, I've never, and like they look at me like a fucking alien because I'm Asian with an English accent. And they're like, <laughs> right, <laughs> where the fuck are you from? And I'm like, well, my parents from Hong Kong, but I was born in England. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah,
0: yeah, I, it's, it's, you know,
2: it's kind of. So you meet a lot of people and they, they never, you know, I've been to places in America where they've, where they, there's no, there's no like Chinese people or, like anything anywhere there. Oh yeah. So it's right. like oh, yeah. a little bit different for them.
0: Um, Would you say like, even though like America as a whole is like very diverse, do you think, do you experience the same thing in, in, um, um, as a mechanic in your, in your workplace or is it, is it more, I guess, um, mm, one dimensional
2: No, you know, when I was in Europe, there was, there was never any Asian mechanics, like zero. There was one Japanese guy um, called Hiro, who was on one team in Formula Three, and we used to say a lot each it all the time. Um, So I don't know why there isn't that many. Probably because there is a lack of Asian people and that want to get into that field, because you know. no matter where you are in a world like t- typical asian i guess stereotype is for people to even work in certain industries motorsport definitely isn't one of them mm-hmm. um so but when i i mean not even now like there's probably like two two or three other asian people in the paddock that i know now that that in america but like mm. when I, when I saw them in America, I was like, oh. you'd, you'd spot them in the paddock and you'd be like, oh, fucking hell. It's an Asian person. <laughs> yeah. He knows. <laughs> that guy? He knows. You know, and then you just go out to him and you say hello, you know? Mm. And luckily we was next to one of them in, in Daytona uh, of this year. We're literally right next to our garage and would speak and stuff. And he's a really good dude. Like we, we we chatted and um,
3: mm.
2: actually one of the guys I work with now, he's half Asian. He's, um so I don't know. I, I just don't think that motorsport is. I don't know. I'm not really
1: sure why. Is it because I it's a it's very, very niche industry, right? Because motorsport.
3: Like,
1: mm-hmm. motorsport can be seen as like a TV thing, you know, like a media thing, and a little bit gimmicky towards traditional, yeah, Asian parents. Like they might not see that industry as lucrative as accounting, medicine, mm-hmm. finance, and it, yeah, like you say, it's also yeah. quite niche. Do you think that's that's partly, partly a big reason? Yeah, I think it's definitely because it's niche. Like not many
2: people, not many people want to work in it or know how to work in it. I certainly mm. didn't know how to work in it until my early twenties. Um. I feel like the people that do work in it have family that already work in it or have access to the industry a lot easier than most people so as a first generation immigrant from from Hong Kong you know you, your parents don't guide you in, in the sense where you know all, all I knew that was that my parents didn't want me to work in the restaurant business and that was it mm-hmm.
3: yeah
2: but at the same time I didn't do very well at school so they were like what are you going to do and um, it worked out well I think I think parents
3: are
2: yeah so you know if I had kids like now it would be very it would be a lot easier to guide them Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know having the experience in Europe having the experience in America you know uh, to do do all these things like depends what you want to do but my parents barely knew english so i think that i think that uh, um can be echoed for a lot of asian families here but
1: Mm -hmm. it's um yeah i do feel like there are a lot of uh like recent uh transitions um, and initiatives out there to try and promote careers in motorsports especially for you know females in engineer uh in engineering um there's a lot of like university promotions Former student is a big one as well trying to get more more people into the sport nowadays um which is which, which is really good to see yeah no for sure i think i think the
2: biggest misconception people have for <laughs> they want to work in most sport they think it's unobtainable they think it's not possible. They think it's difficult. You know, it's like trying to be an astronaut or like work for NASA and stuff. People are like, how the fuck do I do that? I don't know how to do it. But yeah, you can do it. You just have to find the right path, find the right people, and and then and just network. I think networking. <clears throat> I've told Joe this many times. Networking is one of the most important things. You know, no one, no one's gonna. You're not gonna be able to find information and. Um, avenues on the internet, necessarily, especially in a small industry like this, like people will be able to tell you things that you won't be able to find yourself on the internet. So you have to just speak to people and just get an idea. Yeah, but there's a fine balance, you know. You can't just you, you can't just hit everyone up and be like trying to get in their I mean, pocket. And you just have to try and. Yeah, help me out, like whatever. But networking mm. is very important. So th- stuff like LinkedIn is a good way of doing it, mm. but it's still a very sterile environment there. Mm. Um, but once you're in the industry of whatever you want to do, like being known and having a network, of people is is, is important for sure. Mm. In order to be, in order to know what's going around around
1: uh, going on around you. Mm. There's a lot of things like, um, like volunteering, uh, like at your nearby go kart circuits, or marshalling, um, or even picking up like a pet project. If you want to go into me- like the mechanic route, which is like installing, like installing your own engines into a project car, or having your own go kart, trying to show that you're quite hands-on person is also quite yeah a good way to. To start,
2: there's, there's never any harm. There's never any harm in doing any of that stuff for sure because any experience is good experience. But I didn't I didn't have any of that experience growing up. Like I never I never had any of my own tools or worked on a car. I I, I don't even work on my own cars because I hate working on my cars. But you to to just try to like broaden your skills, I guess, and just just work on what you can. And um, never be, don't never be too shy to volunteer for sure. You know, like get work experience.
0: And Johnson, would you say,
2: just try um, to get as much experience can?
0: Would you say this is like your, you're content with where your, your, your career's at? Like, are you, could you say you could see this do yourself doing this for, for a very long time?
2: Uh, yeah as long as my body allows me to then yeah for sure I, I think I'm I'm in a comfortable position for at least the next three years three four years mm-hmm. um, I could move into more managerial roles eventually team managers and stuff but mm-hmm. at the moment I'm I'm happy and content with what I'm doing um, mm-hmm. always trying to set I'm always trying to set maybe like three or five year goals mm-hmm. um <laughs> and and just go from there really but you know i think things have not slowed down but you're back when i was in back when you're trying to chase that dream job it's is a little bit more hectic you're trying to trying to figure out how you're going to get there but now that i'm here and now that i'm working in a job that i want to do in and 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 now that I'm in America, I can kind of like relax a little bit more and, and concentrate on work-life balance.
0: Right, right. That's that's also
2: true. And, and sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you've yeah, experienced like the U.S. lifestyle, like work hard, play harder, that that type, um, which is you know it makes.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: It makes life fun, but yeah. Uh, I for for the future of, of motorsport though, um, do you see? Because there's also like the the, the huge rage about um, electric vehicles and and that entire space. Um, do you ever mm. see that reaching um, motorsports at all, or if it would even still be called motorsports?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there'll always be racing. I think I think there's there's too much money for it to not be in racing. <clears throat> It just has to be developed, the technology, which is already happening. You know, there's Formula E, there's a lot of hybrids coming out. Mm. Um, I think hybrids is going to transition into a lot of racing before full electric comes out, mm. um, which is going to be a shame because, you know, growing up in the petrol powered era, like that's, you're there for the noise, you're there for everything else. But it's going to eventually happen. But I think motorsport will never, never go. It's just whether we're gonna be racing electric or whether we're gonna be racing whatever source of power that comes out. Um mm. yeah. hydrogen. It could be hydrogen <laughs> so, power. Yeah, it could be hydrogen, could be solar power. I don't know. But mm. as long cool. as it's available, I'm I'm gonna be in
1: it.
0: All right, sick. That's
1: I wanted to kinda of go into like a bit deeper into we haven't discussed about your kind of day to day, to be honest. Because you mentioned you will keep doing this until your body allows you to. So are you saying, you know, what are the the hours, what are the physical demands of um, the job? Because I think a lot of the viewers might be watching F1 or, you know, MotoGP or whatever and thinking, wow, these mechanics, they're working on pit stops and whatever. What is it like on TV versus the reality of the job? Uh, I think the biggest misconception people have
3: is that motorsports is glamorous and it's not, you know, it's not what it seems on TV. Celebrities, champagne, you know,
2: smiles, crazy locations Smiling. and stuff, you know, that's that's generally um, an F1, but a lot of people get the misconception that F1 is, you know, glamorous but in a way it is because you get to go to all these countries high cities and stuff but the hours the hours are grueling like let's just take a fun for example you're, you're away for over 180 to 200 days a year from from where you live at home not many people get to spend much time at home you're always traveling but it's, it's similar in in every championship it comes in waves. You have a quiet period when you're back at the workshop. You don't really do much. You just kind of prep the cars, get everything going. You don't really have to do anything too crazy. If you, you know, you just got to maintain everything, change your parts out, do do your general maintenance maintenances. The, the hard work um, can be at the track, but that's because it's long hours due to the schedule. You know, you'll arrive at the track on a weekday, on maybe a Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes Tuesday. You have practice Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, then you have the qualifying for Saturday and Sunday, but they're all like 12 hour days, sometimes longer, not including crashes. And if you crash, you know, it can, it can be even more tough and you're on your feet all day. You're eating track food, which is never usually healthy, usually like burgers and stuff. Um, So it can be, it's tough, like, especially if you're in a hot country as well, um, you know, behind the scenes, you're prepping the car. You know, all, all all people see on TV is the driver gets in the car and then they drive off and they race and that's it. So, prep work is behind the scenes.
1: Not many people see or do understand that or, or see it as much. Because at the end of the day, you're you're working in a sport. So, does that come with a lot of like emotional side of things? Because there's can only be one wiener sometimes right especially for endurance yeah. races if you prep the car for days and weeks preparing just just to have a failure oh, yeah absolutely how does that feel you
2: know, <clears throat> yeah i mean um you obviously always want your car to do well because it's compared to there's, there's competition in there too you you and your crew and your car you always want to win that's that's what you're in it for you know, as long as the car doesn't break down or like the wheel doesn't fall off, you know you've
3: done your job. Um, so,
2: yeah, there's 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 tough times sometimes, but sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, this is racing. So, if something does go wrong or like something that was out of your control or someone crashes into you, you you can't take it too 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 much. You know, you just got to kind of let it let it roll and just be like, this is what it is. Pack up
0: and go home. Well, just wrapping up here, Johnson. Um, just since you obviously you're one of those rare people who not only were able to accomplish one of your life lifelong dreams and goals, but two of them. Um, so just coming from that, um, as a for for somebody that would want to sort of go your route, uh, what would what would be be your advice for for them, and and um, like, just what would you what would your advice be for someone who would want to sort of take take the same approach as you, or just accomplishing any goals in life?
2: Um, I think you just need to be proactive. I
3: think a lot of people get too comfortable, and they don't necessarily search for. It. Where
2: they want to go, is it's hard because I feel like I had a lot of good luck too. Um, there's always mm. a, an element of luck involved, but you create your own. I can't remember right. who said it, but, like, but yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, you, you do in a way. Yeah, I think I can't remember who said it. I think it was on Joe Rogan podcast. But luck is like opportunity meets something else. I can't remember what it is, timing or something. I can't remember one of them. You create your own life. Opportunity
1: means
2: preparation? Preparation? Preparation, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, something like that. So as long as you're prepared during the opportunity, you just got to take leaps and bounds. But it's hard because firstly, you need to know what you want to do. And then secondly, you need to know where to... But not many people always know where to go or how to go do it. And that's the beauty of it. You have to go try and find it. You have to go try and find... How to do it? Approach to people that are in the industry. You know, if if you want to be, um, I don't know, if you want to do a specific job, reach out to those people that are already in that field and ask them. You're not going to ask a butcher if you want to be a, you know, a race car driver. A vegan. So you need to just a vegan. speak to someone that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you need to <laughs> you need to ask the you need to ask the right people and and speak to the right people and and just ask them questions, you know? never be too afraid to
1: ask. Yeah. Or approach How anyone. can how can our how can our listeners who are looking into this field reach you? What's the best way to network with you who's someone who's who's been there, been there, done that and they want to ask you some questions, Johnson? How can we reach you? Yeah, that to? I mean, it just
2: uh, they can just reach me out on Instagram, I guess. Uh, just message me on there or just, or, or LinkedIn. Um, can you put description? What is your handle? Yeah, yeah, no.
0: we'll, we'll, de- we'll definitely
2: add that in. Yeah. We'll tag you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just tag me in there um, and just feel free to reach out. I mean, I'm, not, I'm always willing to help whoever wants to do it.
0: For sure.
2: Even if it's not in motorsport, you know. Because I, I think I'm one of those few people that actually ended up on a very, very different path to begin with and end up where I wanted to be. So mm-hmm. kind of, kind of worked out well. And I, I truly think that if, if I can do it, then anyone else can.
0: For sure. And Johnson, just want to thank you for your time today. Um, you've provided a lot, tons of insights, a lot, way more than I ever thought, That I I could gain out of something, um, especially in motorsports here. But Johnson, just want to thank you again for your time. Um, As for no, you're welcome. Yeah, no, thanks for doing. Maybe we'll we'll catch you on another episode um, again in the future. Um, But for now, just for yeah, let me know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, For us, for our listeners, um, if you guys watch motorsports, uh, make sure to keep an eye out for Johnson out on the track here um and if you guys have any questions or concerns for us definitely feel free to email us at one mate one dude at outlook.com or shoot us a message message on ig that's at one mate um dot one dude yeah that's at one yep. mate dot one dude um and then yeah joe any any closing remarks
1: uh, great episode a lot of insights uh, from johnson uh very helpful to those who you know aspire to to be in his position or you know work in F1 you know F1 motorsports isn't just about F1 um, it, it can be motorbikes it's yeah, it a very be small part of car, it. It can be whatever you're into but yeah I just wanted to to touch on that you know not everything revolves around F1 although it might seem like it uh, it's a big world out there you just gotta I guess search for it and like Johnson said create your own opportunities and you know Grab it by the balls. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Peace.